This is Expert Insights, Physician Views and News, a podcast with the nationally recognized physicians at the Christ Hospital Health Network. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Catheter ablation techniques are constantly evolving. Since the early days of the first use of radiofrequency ablation in Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, catheter ablation of arrhythmias has advanced not only in terms of efficacy, but also by being extended to complex arrhythmias, such as atrial fibrillation and more. My guest today is Dr. Dan Beyerbach. He's a clinical cardiac electrophysiologist with the Christ Hospital Health Network. Welcome to the show. Dr. Beyerbach, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be at Christ Hospital Health Network. Well, thank you, Melanie, for having me on. Uh, My route uh, to Christ Hospital was uh, long and winding. Uh, I initially started out as uh, an electrical engineer and uh, developed an interest in medicine when I was doing research at the Massachusetts General Hospital in the field of uh, cardiac ultrasound. And uh, then I went in to specialize in clinical cardiac electrophysiology, uh, which is what I do today, and the two have made a pretty good marriage. So what type of conditions are you treating, and how has it changed over the years? Well, uh, the incidence of atrial arrhythmias, in particular atrial fibrillation, is on the rise. Uh, In fact, it's been deemed uh, an epidemic right now. There are uh, a large number of people every year uh, in the United States and indeed around the world who are developing atrial fibrillation, which is the most common uh, rapid arrhythmia of the heart. And uh, therefore, there's been a lot of interest in developing techniques uh, to treat atrial fibrillation and very specifically in developing tools uh, for radiofrequency and other energy source type ablation of atrial fibrillation. So if someone is diagnosed with AFib and they've gone through the first line of defense with their physician, tell us about some of the basic ablation techniques you might use first. Well, the oldest technique, as you alluded to in your intro, is the radiofrequency technique. And this is based on the principle of trying to eliminate the triggers that initiate episodes of atrial fibrillation. So there are two ways to treat any arrhythmia with ablation. One is uh, you alter the substrate or the electrical conduction properties of the heart. And the other is you eliminate the triggers that cause episodes of the arrhythmia. So with atrial fibrillation, although there is no cure, uh, we do direct our uh, techniques uh, in the beginning in basic ablation toward eliminating the triggers. And we know from previous studies and work that's been done uh, initially by the group in Bordeaux, France, uh, with Michel Hassiger and colleagues, that about 90% of the triggers that cause episodes of atrial fibrillation initiate in the pulmonary veins. Therefore, uh, the pulmonary veins are the initial target, and we try to isolate them electrically by encircling them with uh, circumferential lines of ablation. So then, if this would be something that is a more basic technique, speak about some of the advanced ablation techniques, Dr. Beyerbach, and and even a little bit about the cryoballoon and some other complex ablation techniques. When you're ablating atrial fibrillation and pulmonary vein isolation alone is not enough, as is sometimes the case, then you have to go for what's called uh, uh, 
extra pulmonary vein triggers. And uh, these can involve uh, sites such as the superior vena cava, the coronary sinus, the crista terminalis. So uh, when we undertake uh, radiofrequency catheter ablation, we will uh, routinely also encircle the superior vena cava and uh, ablate also in uh, the vein called the coronary sinus, which runs around the uh, backside of the heart between the upper and lower chambers. So these are additional structures that we target in advanced ablation. The more recent development of uh, freezing technology called cryoballoon catheter ablation uh, has actually been very beneficial to patients primarily with paroxysmal atrial fibrillation or with preserved left atrial size. So if the atrium is not grossly enlarged, then cryoballoon technique appears to work very well, uh, both for paroxysmal and persistent atrial fibrillation. So we've been using this for about six years now, and uh, we've had some patients who've had a single uh, treatment and are still free of arrhythmia. It uh, doesn't mean that they're necessarily cured because atrial fibrillation is a chronic progressive disease process that involves deposition of uh, scar tissue in the uh, upper chambers of the heart. So there are a lot of different factors that influence this process, and we can't stop them all but uh, altering the heart electrically uh, is a target, not just of radiofrequency and cryoballoon energy sources. Other energy sources uh, have been tried. There's an ultrasound source uh, that works by heating the tissue. Uh, the most recently approved tool for treatment of atrial fibrillation is a laser technology, a laser beam technology that also works by heating the tissue. Uh, so these are actually in use right now. Dr. Beyerbach, a new area of research that I find fascinating, an innovation has emerged around the new mapping systems that allow cardiologists to actually see the potential source of atrial fibrillation. Please identify for us the role of pre- and interprocedural imaging techniques that might optimize outcomes and increase the safety of the ablation procedures. When we perform radiofrequency or cryoballoon catheter ablation of atrial fibrillation, uh, we'd like to know what is the anatomy, where are the veins, uh, what is the structure of the atrium, and uh, we always employ a three-dimensional, what we call electroanatomic mapping system. So there are 3D locating mechanisms uh, that involve uh, resistance techniques and also magnetic techniques that identify the tip of the catheter. So we can put it up against the back wall and say, I'm up against the back wall, take a point here, uh, or I'm on the mitral annulus, take a point here, or I'm going to map now in the pulmonary vein, you know, take map, take points here. And uh, this has become more and more sophisticated over the years. We now have automated mapping techniques where we can just move the catheter around in the left atrium and the map is automatically created. Um, also, uh, using adjuncts to these techniques, we now have the ability to map specific what we call rotors in the left atrium. So atrial fibrillation has long known to be a very disorganized electrical storm in the upper chambers of the heart. And the question is, for people with persistent atrial fibrillation, that is atrial fibrillation that lasts for seven days or more, what do we do extra 
to alter the substrate such that atrial fibrillation cannot persist. And identifying rotors or areas where the electric current appears to be swirling around in circles like a, a hurricane, these are important points to ablate. And it's been shown in multiple studies that if we do ablate these points, that we have better outcomes. So we have a number of different mapping techniques, advanced mapping techniques, uh, that are directed at identifying these uh, focal sources. That is so interesting. And at what point is a patient ready to turn to an ablation for treatment? When should they consider this versus medical treatment? Not everybody is suitable for atrial fibrillation ablation procedures. Um, Usually the patients that are best suited are younger patients with paroxysmal atrial fibrillation, atrial fibrillation that comes and goes on its own uh, and does not last for longer than seven days. Uh, patients who have uh, smaller size atria, um, these are patients that are going to have the best outcomes long-term in terms of uh, maintaining sinus rhythm free of episodes of atrial fibrillation. However, there's now a growing body of evidence that suggests that patients who have heart failure and heart failure is complicated by atrial fibrillation have better outcomes and uh, lower mortality if they undergo catheter ablation of atrial fibrillation. So we are tackling some very difficult patients with catheter ablation because the outcomes are better. Uh, if patients have been tried on an antirhythmic drug and the antirhythmic drug is not working or has intolerable side effects, uh, sometimes very slow heart rate, bradycardia, then these are patients that are suitable for catheter ablation. Uh, also, uh, younger patients who do not desire lifetime uh, drug therapy are suitable for catheter ablation, uh, and people are moving toward using catheter ablation as first-line therapy because now, particularly with the cryo-balloon technique, uh, we can be in and out of the heart in an hour or two, and the procedure is very safe. So when would you like MDs to refer to an electrophysiologist versus trying to manage the arrhythmias themselves? Anytime uh, a physician is uncomfortable with managing atrial fibrillation, we would be happy to see the patient. There are a number of different issues that can make uh, management of atrial fibrillation more complex, and uh, we're used to dealing with these issues, so we're always uh, willing and able to lend a hand. Uh, certainly, if patients are having atrial fibrillation that's refractory to medical therapy, it's appropriate to refer to an electrophysiologist uh, rather than skipping from drug to drug. Uh, let's consider the patient for an alternative, usually catheter ablation, but there are other alternatives as well. Just touch briefly on the Watchman device for us for a minute, Dr. Beyerbach. Some people are not suitable for... Uh, treatment with oral anticoagulation, usually because they've had serious bleeding, sometimes just nuisance bleeding that's repetitive, such as nosebleeds. Um, gastrointestinal bleeding is a frequent reason. Uh, or in some cases, the patients just are not capable of administering blood thinners at home for a variety of reasons. These are patients that are sometimes suitable for an alternative uh, which is called the Watchman left atrial appendage occluder device. 
And the theory behind this is that we put a plug in the left atrial appendage, and that prevents blood clot formation in that structure of the left atrium and prevents, therefore, embolization of the blood clot. So we've been able to safely place this umbrella-like structure. We do treat with oral anticoagulation for uh, a short period of time, uh, but ultimately patients are left with just a daily aspirin, and the efficacy is almost equivalent to that of taking full-dose oral anticoagulation. Where do you perform these procedures, and where are you available to see patients in an outpatient setting? Uh, All of our catheter ablation procedures right now are performed at the Christ Hospital Electrophysiology Laboratory. We have four uh, dedicated electrophysiology laboratories, uh, which is uh, very outfitted with uh, the latest uh, uh, equipment, which uh, really requires a serious investment because of all the advanced technologies that we're using. So, Uh, We try to centralize our ablation procedures, and right now we perform them at the Christ Hospital. Uh, In terms of outpatient locations, uh, I personally am available at the medical office building at the Christ Hospital campus in Mount Auburn. I'm also available in northern Kentucky in Fort Wright and also up in Liberty Township for office visits. And in a brief summary, doctor, please let other physicians know what you would like to tell them about AFib and advanced cardiac catheter ablation techniques and when to refer to a specialist. Well, atrial fibrillation is certainly an epidemic right now, and uh, the belief is that this is due in part to the aging population. We know that the incidence of atrial fibrillation increases with age, but also due to the obesity epidemic that is an independent risk factor, but also is associated frequently with obstructive sleep apnea, which also promotes atrial fibrillation. So uh, it is an epidemic. It's not going away, and we need to get used to dealing with it. Uh, In terms of when to refer, uh, again, that would be for patients who are young, have normal-sized left upper chambers of the heart, uh, are symptomatic with their atrial fibrillation, and uh, don't desire lifelong therapy, or for sicker patients who really cannot tolerate the rapid heart rates that are uh, precipitated by atrial fibrillation, in particular patients with heart failure. Thank you so much, Dr. Bayerbach, for being with us today. You're listening to Expert Insights, Physician Views and News with the Christ Hospital Health Network. For more information on Dr. Bayerbach and all of the Christ Hospital physicians, please visit tchpconnect.org. That's tchpconnect.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.